fight and we don't have to kill everybody in the wide world really just needs to chill no we don't have to fuss no 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 we don't have to fight hello everybody welcome back to another episode of just chill with oliver george this is episode 65, and this is a very special episode, not only because I have a stellar guest sitting across from me right now, but also it's the season two finale. That's right, October 21st will mark exactly two years since the very first episode of this show went online, and it has been another amazing season. I've continued to speak with fantastic folks, people like Rick Campanelli, John Doerr, Tommy Chong, I can't even believe it, but as well as... Tons of local Ottawa comics. It's something I always like to keep focusing on whenever possible because there's so many funny people here in this city. And I can't think of a more perfect guest to be here right now with that in mind. But before we get into it, I want to remind you, if you're watching right now on YouTube and you would prefer audio only, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you're listening on one of those right now, though, and you didn't know that there was a visual side to this show, then please come check it out on YouTube. While you're there, if you would subscribe, it does mean a lot to me. I'm still over the moon about hitting a thousand subscribers recently. So if you've supported the show in any way, thank you so much. Finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe you've got a cool guest idea or some general feedback, you can hit me up at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. While you're there, let me know if you want some merch. It's a cool holofoil sticker of the show and uh, I'll mail you one free of charge. Just let me know. Back to the guest, the man of the hour, as I always like to say, the amazing, the legendary, co-founder, owner, general manager, man behind the magic at Ottawa Yuck Yucks, it's Howard Wagman. And I, I feel honored to be able to share this, this conversation with you. So thank you. You've had so many amazing comics come out of your club. Norm MacDonald, Mike MacDonald, Tom Green, John Doerr, so many more. Um, so I really do appreciate you sharing your time with me. And you've got a bit of a celebratory thing happening for you tonight as well. Yeah, tonight's a big night. We're opening at the Marriott. Uh, it's our fourth location this year. Um, pandemic hit and uh, we weren't signing any new leases. So we were homeless there for a little while. And uh, we have a lot of friends after 37 years. So we were able to uh, maneuver this so that we could move around and not close, which we're very proud of. Yeah, it must have been a really arduous time there going through the pandemic. You guys were especially in a, a line of work that was hit very directly and you had to keep shuffling things around. Is this hopefully the new permanent location? Is that where things are headed? or? Well, in all modesty, we have to prove ourselves to, to the hotel. Uh, we have to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big step because, you know, the Marriott is a huge chain. They have certain standards. They need to make money. We need to make money. And it's the first time we're going to actually have 100 seats. So the pressure's on a little bit. You know, it's been 18 months since we've had a, a real club. It must feel fantastic having 100 in the audience, yeah, though. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. And for the comics as well. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I wish I could go tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, it's also the return to the lower level of a hotel. Also fantastic. That's like Albert Street was the old location for That's so right. many years. That's the original right. location? That's right. Yeah. That's right. We were okay. there for 25 years. We opened March 84. And it was fantastic because we had, I mean, a hotel affords you all kinds of extra things. For example, uh, it's wheelchair accessible, which makes me very happy. My mom was in a wheelchair. I watched her grow up that way. And a lot of people got very angry with me when we left the, mm. the hotel because we were not accessible anymore. They don't understand that we were in other people's buildings. We couldn't afford to renovate. We did what we could, but it, it really bothered me that we couldn't be accessible. 
Anyway, hotel, that's one one thing that's wonderful. Another is you've got good food and beverage. Uh, it doesn't discount any demographic, uh, either, you know, uh, high end, low end. Uh, everybody is willing to go to a hotel that's to see true. a show. As opposed to our last place on Elgin, which was cool. It was, uh, you know, it was, we call it a faux dive, if you want to go back to the Simpsons. Yeah. It was a dive. And a lot of people, you know, 40, 50 and up who make decent money would not set foot in there. They they want their comedy in a soft seat theater or yeah. in a nice venue. And uh, we weren't that. We were gritty and we were dark and dirty. And uh, you know what? It, it, it's great. There's a comedy cellar in New York, places like that. That's the way I think comedy should be presented. But in reality, you have to make money and you have to appeal to as many demos as you can. I think that's what a lot of the comedians like is those basement dwellings, you know? Well, yeah, it, it's the best way to see comedy. It's, it's, you shouldn't be too comfortable. Yeah. You should be on, on the edge of your seat for sure. Uh, I like what you said about accessibility too, because I'm really excited to see Michael Lifshitz grace the Yuck Yuck stage once more. I know for him, he's not been able to in quite some time. Yeah. So that's really great. Um, I wanted to talk since we're talking about changing locations. What do you think makes a great comedy club? Like what, what needs to go into it to have a great room? Well, you need low ceilings um, for sound and intimacy. And technically, you need uh, very few pillars. You, you can't put somebody where you, there's no sight line. Mm. It's, 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 contact is so important. It's intimacy that counts with Definitely. stand-up. That's why I don't like you know seeing Russell Peters at the Can Canadian Tire Center. Regardless of how good a comic is, you can't present the product. Such a different experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Intimacy is so important. So when we were at Live on Elgin with 35 seats, even though we couldn't make money, it made me happy because it was the right atmosphere for a show. Wow. Um, I Before I want to just get to this before I move on at all, I wanted to give my condolences to you for Norm MacDonald because yeah. I know everybody felt that loss, especially people in the comedy community. But you knew the guy. So I just, you know, I really wanted to say my heart goes out to you because what an amazing dude he was. And I'm sure you guys had some amazing memories. I, is it true that you guys saw Springsteen together? Yes, we did. Well, that must be what one for the ages in Toronto in 86. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we, you guys used to pal around. We did. Um, he was one of my best friends back in the day. Him and Jeremy Hotz were really like, we hung out all the time. We, we were the only real people in the business who lived in Ottawa at the time. Hmm. You have to understand it was other than there was this club called Andy and Flo's that was before us. There was no comedians living in the city of Ottawa till we got here. Oh, wow. So you guys, you made the Mecca and then they came. Yeah. It's, I mean, it started the day we got here in February of uh, 84 and Jeremy Hotz and this other guy named Roberto Blizzard, who doesn't do comedy anymore. were standing there in the snow waiting for us, waiting for us to get out of the car to start their lives. Wow, that's so amazing. And I know you've already been asked about this, but the the tweet that went out back in 2017, I think it was, where Norm said that you chased him down Spark Street after he was feeling really low about the set he had just done and you were adamant about how he must return. <coughs> Excuse me. So I wanted to ask, what was it about his performance that you felt compelled by? Oh, Jesus. <coughs> A little COVID cough there. Um, oh, perfect. I, I kid, I kid. Double vaxxed. Um, what was it about his performance that really spoke to you in that moment, considering this wasn't polished the norm we all know, and clearly he felt he had had a bad set. So what called to you about his performance? Well, for starters, he was clearly uh, a very, very smart guy. 
Um, you could see that right off the, off the hop. First time ever on stage, he had this beautifully crafted bit, which I'm not going to do, but uh, about the three leaders of the country at the time. It was uh, Mulroney and Turner and Broadbent in math class. It was fantastically original, and it was it, it spoke to the way that they spoke about stuff that they had to talk. Okay, I'll tell you quick. Okay, so it, the, the teacher's going, uh, uh, class, I want to know what the answer uh, four times two is. And Mulroney would defer the question, as he always did at the time, to Turner. So John Turner goes up on the question of four times two. Uh, this is a this is a question on which I have not done my homework, but uh, I will be putting it in an algebraic framework, and you'll have your answer tomorrow. And meanwhile, Broadbent's at the back going, "The answer is eight, but nobody's listening to him," which was so telltale. Right? I'm sure that was very relevant at the time. Yeah, so relevant because obviously, you know, Broadbent was he was great and, he, and a brilliant man and the NDP, nobody listened to them. Mm. Right. And it was just, it explained the positions of the parties at the time. Right. And hmm. it got tepid applause, you know, and it deserved so much more. Anyway, he, he left. He, everybody stays till the end of the show, as you know, because you're supposed to watch other acts. That's how you get better. And mingling with other comics, but he didn't. Whole, yeah. He left immediately. And I was just blown away by that. Why are you leaving? Do you have any idea how good you are? But I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He just mm -hmm. left. So I went after him because he had no idea how good he could be. And you were afraid he might never come back. Yeah. Well, I, I later saw that tweet yeah. where he said that, that he was never going to do it again. That's insane. Oh, my man. God. Wow. Like, Well, thank you. <laughs> there, there's a lot of comics out there. In fact, most who think they're way better than they are. Yeah. He thought he was way worse than he was. That's rare. He's modest. That's rare. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow, man, that's so amazing that you had such an influential part of his story. And and I'm sure the same is true with Tom Green and John Doerr and all these other legends that have come from the Ottawa club. So Tom Green I met when he was sitting in the front row with his, his little friends, and they were quiet heckling. That's oh, how yeah. I met him. You know what quiet heckling is? It's like when you don't have the balls to actually speak up. No, and, no. No? No, they had a lot of balls. They were sitting in the front row, and they were quietly telling the comic, you suck. Oh, okay, like a you psych stink. out more. Yeah. Oh, man, that's even worse. <laughs> and so we had, to, we had to kick them out. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's how I met Tom Green. And you must be happy to hear he's moved back to Canada? Very happy. And you guys, I'm hoping, have something planned for him to make a, a trip. Well, yeah, he, he's not. He's very COVID sensitive. Yeah. And he wants to wait until the time is right. And he just bought a piece of property yes. uh, near. I think he wants to keep himself, uh, you know, a little bit homebody right now. I know he's working on his music. He's got a studio there. Yeah. Um, he loves his land. He's got a big piece of land out there. And uh, you see all the pictures every day, right? Oh, yeah. I've been following along for yeah. sure. Well, and, and you were instrumental in helping me get in contact with him. Uh, it's He's still slated to hopefully be coming on. I guess when we start up season three now, Good. but um, Glenn as well was very COVID conscious. So I've been going back and forth with them for quite some time, but they are working on another project that I won't speak about, uh, but uh, they wanted to wrap that before coming here. Good. So. Good. And thank you for that as well. Hey, my pleasure. Um, well, I know I actually wanted to throw to my dad cause he always asked the guest a question and I feel like uh, he told me what his question was this time. And I think it sort of touches into what you were talking about with Norm, you know, being really hard on himself and, mm -hmm. and people not making it or making it. So Dad, sure. if you will, I can catch my... Sure, yeah. The The question I had, uh, Howard, was just in all of your years of, of watching comics, mm -hmm. is there a comic or, or two that come to mind that you felt uh, were underappreciated for what they were delivering and and 
perhaps didn't make it as far in the business as they could have or should have? That's a great question. Um, I think Bill Hicks, but he died young of pancreatic cancer, um, but he didn't get worldwide notoriety. But within the business, I mean, he's, he's, he's a household name. But I don't think the average person knows who he is. Do you? No, I, I don't know who no. he is. No. So please look him up. Yeah, we'll he was, do. Yeah. Really good. He, he was groundbreaking. Um, and uh, I guess another one would be Mitch Hedberg, another uh, guy who passed on too quickly. It was a heroin overdose, but yeah. um, he was uh, the king of the one-liner, and he was so good at it. And he could, you know, when one-liner comics, they usually it's like six out of 10, seven out of 10 hit. Yep. And you're forgiven the three that fail. But with him, it was like eight, nine, 10 out of 10. And so quick, one after another, after another. Uh, I remember he played the club once and he called ahead and he wanted me to get a bass player. Not not this bass, a stand-up bass. <laughs> so he would do beat comedy. Oh, man. And the, the guy would pluck behind him while he did his one-liners to the music. It was so cool. That's really artistic. Yeah. We actually spoke when Don Kelly came on here about he opened for him, I believe, when he was in town. He was here more than once. But oh, yeah. More than once. Yeah. Okay. That's so cool. Um, that's actually part of what I wanted to get into with you was, first of all, your history with Yuck Yucks and how it began, but also some stories I heard from the Ottawa Yuck Yucks that I was hoping you could elaborate on. But let's go back to Mark. Can, can I name one more person before? Of course. Yes, yes. Sorry Sam Kinison. Does everybody know him? I do. Absolutely. Yeah, screams okay. at the top of his lungs. So yeah, but he's so much more than that. Yes. You know, and he, the thing was, they, everyone said he hated women. He loved women. He loved people. He was a fantastic human being. He was so, so great. And the irony of his death was that he was a, a substance abuser for his entire life, and he had just kicked it all. And three months later, he was driving, but well, he was a passenger in a car between Vegas and LA, and there was a car accident, and he was hit by a drunk driver oh. and, and killed. And that was just so so awkward for me Jesus. to. Wasn't I, I wasn't sorry? Wasn't Sam? I don't know if it was Sam, but an ordained minister? Yes. He was a pastor or something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a Baptist yeah. minister. Oh, there you and go. so is his brother, Bill. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he had some sort of an accident, I believe, and it changed his personality. He had some head trauma, I had heard. Is that not Sam? True? Yeah. I, I, thought, didn't, I, I had didn't, heard. I maybe did. I heard that on Joe Rogan or something. Maybe. He uh, talks about him a lot. I don't know, but I met him early on in his career. Oh, oh you did meet him. That's a, something I was Well, he played the you. club. Oh, that's Several so cool. times. Yeah, he had a rider. Um, that was uh, a bottle of vodka and a gram of cocaine. That was his rider. <laughs> and uh, I remember speaking to the Toronto manager and I said, uh, you know, you got to do this, right? And he said, I'm not buying drugs for him. And I said, you're an idiot. What I did was I went out and I got two of each, <laughs> knowing that that call at four o'clock in the morning was going to come. Oh my God. And it did. And he played my club again because of it. Wow, that's going the extra mile. Gee, well, I understand the other guy's hesitation to some degree that, you know, he could become caught up in all that and legal ramifications and all, but that's still ballsy uh, on your part. You do what you got to do. Yeah, I appreciate the hustle there. <laughs> it's all about the show, right? All the time. Wow, man, that's amazing. That's so, so cool to hear. Um, I, I want to ask you then, because you got into this when you were only 16 working for... Yeah. Another thing I only learned a few months ago that Mark Breslin was your uncle. Right. So the great Mark Breslin who started Yuck Yucks in 76. And that did you start there in the yeah. same year right yeah. away? And yeah. What were your duties at that age? Well, you know, it was just I would work the box office and, you know, hand out flyers and stuff. It was uh, a choice of 
going further in school or trying this thing that wasn't even a thing yet. Mm. But I loved it. Uh, I went to George Brown College for food and beverage, and I, that's probably what I'd be doing if I didn't do this. It was great and all, but um, I uh, I thought that this thing had legs, and it did. And I traveled around and opened clubs for him and um, got to meet some amazing people and uh, never regretted it for a minute. Well, I thought it was kind of mind-blowing when I saw 1976, and then I looked up Just for Laughs, and that was 83, thinking, like, what did people do, fans of comedy, prior to that, I guess? We just... were. We were. We were pre-JFL. So you, you'd have to go down to the States if you wanted to see any kind of live, live comedy, or there would be arena tours, I guess? Or theaters, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just seems like such a sad world where you can't go to the comedy club. Right. There wasn't any. Wow. So then in 84, you opened Ottawa. Yeah. And you're 24 at that point then. Yeah, but there was stuff way before that, right? We we Montreal. I was in Montreal in eighty. We okay. tried. That was the first club outside of Toronto that we tried, and we failed. Um, oh. That was a referendum, first referendum year. So that was a really bad time for an English business to open mm. to open in Quebec. Um, yeah, I was going to say it seemed like a city where they would love that art form, but that makes a lot more sense in plus, context. Plus we learned a lot about how to, how to not run a business. Um, we were new at this. So, mm. uh, I didn't understand that, uh, you couldn't get people to come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. So we're paying rent on a, a spot and only filling it two nights a week. Granted it was full every Friday and Saturday, but we're still paying all that space for. Yeah. And then you got to charge more for tickets on those two nights you can actually do shows but we had some amazing guests we had uh paul reiser was there oh wow uh jay leno was there um dr timothy leary was there that was the most amazing thing we ever had i think is He's that the, that the, guy the, who made acid the acid guru <laughs> oh no way yeah that's so cool did you he should, do comedy or it was more of a slideshow but he was very, he's very intelligent and was very funny Hmm. Uh, and but the thing about that was the crowd that came. You should have seen these people. These are not people you see on the street on on a, every day. These are people who um, they hang on his every word. They're like they're like Jim Jones, uh, Kool Aid drinking. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They're like his kind of groupies, right? Almost. You know what I'm talking about? There, there was like a movie. Culty. There was a movie called Chud. Have you ever heard of that? It's yeah. cannibalistic humanoid human. underground yeah, dwellers. That's yeah. what these people were. <laughs> a bunch of chuds. They were like brains, brains. They were like zombies and they were dressed ra raggedy and ratty. And then they did acid all the time and they came to <laughs> see him. Mind, yeah. That was the crowd. But he was, um, he was their God. Was he entertaining though? He was really good. Really good. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, Man, I've got so many more questions here. Um, I want to know why you never got into stand-up, because I read that you just never had that urge. I hosted a couple of shows way back, like in the late 70s, and I, I said, this is, you know, amazingly hard, and I respect the hell out of anybody who can do this well. Hmm. Yeah. So early on, did you ever get, like, I could see some comics being like, oh, what do you know? You don't even do comedy. Well, you know what? Uh, they may say that behind my back even today. Who knows? Um, well, after 40 years of running a club, I think that speaks for itself at this point. You know, I just know what I like and I know I've seen what I've seen and I know what works and I've seen it generationally and I've seen good and bad and I've seen the same mistakes made and I just know how to guide people because I've seen it. Yeah, definitely. Right? You have that experience. And I still love it. I still love going to the club on an amateur night and watching the acts. I, I genuinely do. I can tell. Every time I've ever seen you, you've always been so uh, 
just encouraging to everyone I've ever seen, including myself. And I am not someone who grinds nearly as hard as half the comics that you know. But um, nevertheless, I think you had a big influence on me doing this show because the one thing you did say to me after some time with my guitar or something, you said, you're very likable. And that was so much better to me than than if you had said you're so funny or whatever, because it was I always liked like late night hosts and stuff like that. And, and I kind of just ran with that and thought, OK, well, I don't always have to be telling a joke. I just have to be likable and make people feel comfortable. And, you know, you got to play to your strengths. Exactly. And I always tell people that. I mean, you can't ask Howie Mandel to become a great writer. You can't uh, you can't ask um, what's the antithesis of that? Um, you can't say to Stephen Wright, uh, I want you to be more animated. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. That's right. a perfect example. Yeah. Right? Oh my God, man. So you, you, you tell people to play to their strengths. Um, well, speaking of people playing to their strengths and great performers, one thing I didn't want to forget was when you guys were at the Beacon Arms, the original location, I read that you not only had a drop-in from Carlin, but also that Robin Williams had done Shakespeare on a customer's table at one point? Both of those were in Toronto. Oh, they were in Toronto. Were you, were you privy to them? Yeah, though? I was you there. Were, I was okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. There was no Ottawa yet. Uh, this was in the early 80s. Uh, yeah. Or about like 81, maybe 82. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't in Ottawa. Still cool though. Yeah. It was in Toronto. It, it happened. It was great. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, Carlin just, was he just... He was in town doing a theater. Oh man. And uh, he called during the afternoon. I took the call. And he said, "This is George Carlin." It sounded like him. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> I wasn't going to say you're bullshitting me. Yeah, not to him. Um, and he said, uh, "So I'm in town, and I'm just thinking, you know, maybe if you're, it's okay, I can come and hang out later." <laughs> okay. Yeah. I gave him my name, so he would ask for me at the door, and he came in at that night, late, like for late show, after his show, and he came in alone, no entourage, ripped jeans, t-shirt, just a guy and that's you know what that's the best thing about comics is no matter how big they are they're 99 times out of 100 they're just a guy mm. and they don't they don't change when they get success not like a like a hollywood actor might it's totally different yeah. totally different they have the soul of of a comedian and that person is somebody i like i like that 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 personality makeup they are that person and they always will be i love oh. that yeah honest and raw yeah, but more than that, um, they 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 uh, even if they are full of themselves in some way, they still have the soul of a comedian. Jerry Seinfeld makes how much money a year? Yeah, and he still <laughs> he still goes down to the local club to do a set because he's got to stay loose and he's got to do what he loves, and that's what he loves. That's fantastic. And Jay Leno does it to this day. Still, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. He doesn't need the recognition. He wants to hang out with other comics yeah, and do comedy and be there. Mike McDonald, before he passed, would come down and watch Amateur Nights. Not to go on. He wanted to help. He wanted to. Mm -hmm. He would watch people's sets and then take them aside afterwards and say, uh, you know, if you do this bit with this in it, uh, you, it might work better. Yeah. I and he wanted to do that. I had only a couple interactions with him, but he was super, super encouraging and said, oh, you had some good stuff here. And he, I think I told this on the show once, but he agreed to even be in a music video that never actually happened, but um, kicking myself for that one. But anyways, yeah, sweet, sweet dude and, and hilariously funny. If anyone yeah. hasn't seen his stuff, they should go check yeah. that out. Yeah. Um, speaking of locations, I did hear that you maybe wanted to open another Yuck Yucks in the future. Is that true, or am I getting my research wrong there? Uh, well, we got to fill one room first. Fair enough, but you had like long-term goals of potentially having another Ottawa uh, location yes, again. There's or? a market for it, sure. Okay, 
Uh, well, another rumor I heard was that you might be writing a, a memoir of some kind or about um, Canadian comedy. Is this people want me to? I think you should. I mean, the stories you've told here already are really, really cool. So yeah, there's a lot to tell. There is. I, I, I might do that. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to know uh, also if you had any major do's or don'ts for people that are just getting into comedy. Um, don't expect too much too quickly. Um, Good advice. There's a couple of cliche things like uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, true though. You so have, true. We also say you haven't been on once until you've been on a hundred times because everybody who's on the first time says, so what happens after tonight? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you this before I see you. It, it, whether you kill or bomb, don't, don't carry too much weight with me because it's one set in one mood that you're in. You won't write a person off for that. Probably you've got friends here. Next time, you won't do the same. And you'll be shocked by that. How come it didn't go exactly the same? I said all the same things. Mm. Oh. I didn't offend anybody. What did I do wrong? Yeah, well, the audience was different. Huh. Um, I know COVID must have been the most debilitating, crazy thing to happen to the comedy industry in quite some time, but... Prior to that, what would you have said was something in your long career oh my that God. was the biggest shakeup? The smoking ban. Ah, okay. It, it's I, I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. But I thought that was the end of comedy clubs. What do you mean you can't smoke? What are you talking about? You have a non-smoking section. The the ceiling is seven feet high. <laughs> what what? Here's an ashtray. Now it's a smoking section. Uh, we thought we were done. Yeah. And I was completely wrong. Well, I, I mean, there must have been people before in the smoking rooms that hated it and, and were glad. And but everybody that. smoked back in the day. Really? Eh? I smoked a couple of packs a day. I don't smoke at all anymore. But everybody smoked. And nobody smokes at all anymore. Barely. You had a green room that was not even a quarter the size of this room. And all the comics would pile in there and they'd be smoking. You were just breathing cigarettes all the time. You might as well smoke at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be getting it either way. Oh, man. Well, and, and they drank, by the way. Nobody drinks like they drank back then. We used to sell five, six, seven grand on a Saturday night. Jesus. It's not even half that now. Oh, my goodness. Wow, man. Uh, well, hopefully you sell a lot tonight. Yeah, I hope so. Well, all the best, man. I don't want to keep you because I know it's a big night for you, and I wish you all the best with the new location. Thank you. I do want to ask one last question. Uh, I'm switching up the season two question here. This is the finale, so I'm putting a twist on it. Normally, I ask who you'd want to have dinner with, living or dead, someone you've never met. But for you, I'm going to ask if you could have someone headline your club this week, someone who's living or dead, but that you've never met before, a comic that you really respect, who would it be and why? I think Robin Williams. Okay. Yeah. So you, you saw him that time in Toronto, but you didn't I met him, him twice. Oh, you I, did meet him. I okay. met him in LA at the comedy store in the bathroom. That's cool. And he's, he's right next to me at the urinal and he goes, I'd shake your hand, but I don't think you'd want that. <laughs> I feel like you channeled his voice a little there. And, and the other time was when he came into the Toronto club on Yorkville. We didn't have a, a even have a liquor license back in those days. This was pre Mork and Mindy. Mm. You know that show, right? Yes, I, I've never seen it, but I'm aware of it. I always talk to people like they're my I, age. I used to watch my, it. Yeah, my dad used to watch it. Yeah. It's pre-Mork and Mindy, and he did he what you said. He he used the entire room. He was uh, Juilliard trained, right? He was just absolutely incredible. He used the whole room. He stood up on a table right in the middle of the club and held the candle up and did Hamlet. And, I mean, he was funny. He was entertaining. He was he sweat. He sweat bullets. Well, he's a hairy man. 
he, he sweat <laughs> bullets really and and he was uh he was cut in those days he was he was a powerful figure and so strong mentally physically it's just, it's a shame how he oh yeah terrible you know, how he went out yeah um but you know what so many greats yeah so many greats uh, it's we, hard to pick <laughs> we, we lose them and um yeah norm is the most recent and that one that one really got to me yeah well, and Mike McDonald, that was a, a big one too. Except that we knew that was coming. True, because he was... Not of, that it's any less sad, but we knew it was coming. Yeah. He had that five years to the day, he passed five years to the day that he had the liver transplant. He, uh, and he became a different person in those five years. He wanted to help others, and he realized the meanings of, of what he was able to accomplish and, and teach people and, and help people. And he became um, wonderful like really wonderful to people in definitely the, at the end i'm so i feel honored that i had the chance to meet him in any capacity he's a yeah. great dude and i think that's a, a great way to end the show talking about these legendary people and thank you for your influence on hey, it's my them. pleasure well thank i was gonna say thank you for getting your influence on those comics out into the world because they might not be here if it wasn't for you and your guidance so thank well, you for I'm, everything man thanks i'm blessed I'm, i really feel that way well, you have a, a unique skill and you know how to use it. So keep Thanks. doing it, man. Thanks, Keep, keep finding the next big stars. Shout out to the Ottawa comedy community because there's a lot of really, really funny people here. And Howard has been guiding us Padawans as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come down to the Marriott soon. Yes, check out the new location. You too, Dad. <laughs> All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye. There we go. Is that okay? Did I ramble? Hey, Mike's our lemonade. Fuck you.